When you take your children to Europe every year, you hope it'll have an impact on them and how they view their place in the world. I'm really proud of my son, Andy. He started his own company when he was a study abroad college student in Rome. His Weekend Student Adventures helps other young adults navigate their options for fun weekend getaways to the capitals of Europe. Five years ago, Andy joined us for Father's Day here on Travel with Rick Steves. Today, it's his day. Andy's home for a bit, and he joins us in our studio with his tips from his newly issued guidebook called Andy Steves Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. Andy, it's great to have you on the show again. Thanks so much for having me back, Dad. I can't believe we're here to talk about my book. It's pretty exciting. I can see the big smile on your face. I remember when I was your age and had my first book coming out. And uh, the cool thing about this book is it comes out of your experience as a proponent of foreign study and helping Americans who are having study abroad experiences get the most out of those experiences. It seems to me that study abroad is really embraced by universities now across the United States. What's your take on on the uh, approach to foreign study with universities these days? It's really exploded in popularity over the last decade or two. When I started my freshman year at the University of Notre Dame, for example, maybe 20, 25 percent of students studied abroad. But in the five years that I was there, we went all the way up to 60, 65 percent of students studying abroad at the university. And I think the rest of the nation has followed suit. People really recognize the educational and intercultural value that uh, semester abroad has to offer. And so, so universities are really embracing that. University administrators and university faculty see this as part of a, a whole well-rounded higher education? Exactly. So what exactly is foreign study? If some student is considering foreign study, how, how expensive is it? How much time does it take? Uh, what are the options? You have a, a rainbow of options. You can go uh, just about anywhere you want around the world. You could go to South Africa. You can study in Sydney. A lot of engineers or people with very serious academic requirements end up in English-speaking places so that they can stay up on their very challenging coursework. I, for example, studied in Rome to keep up on my art history requirements for my design degree and, of course, take Italian for my Italian degree. Now, there's a choice that a student has to make, which is kind of fundamental, and that would be, do I go to the first world or do I go to the developing world? Mm -hmm. What are the pros and and cons? Obviously, those offer uh, a very different experience. My cousin, for example, just studied in Senegal this semester, and she had an incredible time there. The stories I can't wait to hear at Christmas when we meet back up. You know, obviously that's going to be a different experience than someone studying in Florence surrounded by other thousands of American students there. So you really need to decide what's important for you and what you want out of an international education experience and pursue that. Now, you spent a semester in Rome, and I remember when you were in Rome every weekend, it was like, where are we going to go? And the cool thing about foreign study is you don't go to school on Friday. I mean, noon Thursday, you're basically done with classes and report back to class on Monday. Mm -hmm. That's true. And when I was a kid, you couldn't go very far because nobody flew. It was too expensive. But now we've got discount airlines. Tell us how how that developed into your uh, Weekend Student Adventures tour program. Sure. As you begin to apply for a semester abroad, you never actually realize what it means to have an extra day on the weekend. But as soon as you touch down in Europe, you can zip around on the weekends thanks to budget airlines. And so that really opened up the continent of Europe. My friends and I, we made the most of our free time to zip around, you know, on a night train down to Sicily or to fly to Prague for a weekend or to Because if you know how to book in advance for 50 bucks, you can get a round-trip ticket from wherever you're studying to Dublin or Prague or Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, that has 
has influenced the traveling culture, the style, the expectations that more and more students bring each semester. So for the last four or five years, you've been putting together in your work these uh, three-day little tours for students. That's your business. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that your book, Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget, really is taking what you learned from that experience and then equipping people with information to enjoy these cities without you? Mm-hmm. Is that um, in a nutshell? That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, you know, people ask me how long this book took to write, and, you know, I was writing for all of 2015, but it's really a lifetime in, in developing. We, we traveled as a family for, you know, the first 18 years of my life. Then I started traveling with my buddy for just a fun backpacking trip. Then I worked as a tour guide for your company for a couple summers. Then I studied abroad. And each one of those traveling styles is distinct from the other. And I had no idea this world of international education and studying abroad, the chance to actually plug into these different cultures was out there. And so when I studied abroad, had my semester, saw this need for educational, efficient and in-depth tourism, that's when I went back to Notre Dame and started working on the concept for both a tour company and this is kind of just one more facet of that project that I've been developing okay, since so, I graduated. And I remember over the years you would try some cities and it wouldn't work and try another city and, oh, that's really great and so on. And what you've distilled down here is what apparently are the most likely targets for a millennial traveler who's going to just city hop on a budget. Amsterdam, Barcelona, Berlin, Budapest, Dublin, Edinburgh, Florence, London, Madrid, Paris, Prague, Rome, and Venice. How did you choose these? Well, to start, these are some of the most popular cities in Europe to millennials, but also everybody who's going to Europe for the first time. I'd be interested to hear your take, actually, on how traveling has evolved since you started doing it 30, 40 years ago, you know, independently in Europe. It's my theory that with the advent of budget airlines, the contextual awareness of your visits through Europe kind of falls away. If it's your first time in Europe, you got to see the Eiffel Tower, the Colosseum, the Sagrada Familia, those cliche sites. But, you know, you and I spend our lives working really hard to take care of that cliche stuff efficiently, check it off the list, but get on to more interesting, unique and mm-hmm. off the beaten path experiences. And so I think that the expertise I share in this book is relevant to every budget traveler going to Europe for the first time. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I happen to be talking with my son, Andy Steves, and he's just published his first guidebook. It's called Andy Steves Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. And we're talking about how millennials travel. And Andy, you mentioned you'd be interested in knowing uh, what it was like when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we got year rail passes, and Mm -hmm. it covered 20 countries, and we'd get two months of it. And we would just go everywhere, and we'd go all these little tiny offbeat places. Mm -hmm. Nobody flew. Now, in your age, I would imagine kids have less time they have a little more money, and they have the opportunity to fly cheaper than to take the train. And consequently, what we have is this hit list of the greatest cities in Europe. And what you've designed is a book that fits that need. As a father, I always told you, find a need and fill it. (laughs) I think you've done it. Now, when you take these cities, each one you talk about in your book has a different forte. If you're interested in food, which city would you want to go to? Where do I start? Um, When it comes to food, obviously, you can't go wrong in Europe, but Madrid has some of the most delicious tapas. And you, I remember always talking about the pimentos de padron, you know, kind of the Russian roulette plate of peppers that comes out. And one of the 50 peppers sitting in front of you is is hot as heck. You know, that is a fun game, but also very tasty game to play. And part of the thing about that is it's affordable, which I think you factor in quite nicely because Mm -hmm. London, it would be unfortunate if you wanted to eat really well in London. But if you want to eat really 
really well in Madrid, mm-hmm. bam, you can go high on the hug. What about nightlife? Nightlife across these different cities, each one is distinct and has a different thing to offer. If you're really into kind of Euro techno thumping bass and just going all night until the sun comes up, uh, you should be taking a look at Barcelona, at Prague. If you're interested in kind of the social scene, uh, hanging out at bars, talking to people, enjoying some music, you should check out Dublin and Budapest. London is a little bit more posh, a little bit more expensive, but also a very interesting cocktail trend has taken over the city. So you can enjoy these uh, speakeasy type cocktails in lounges that look like a, uh, like you're in a time travel machine. There's a bar in London that you have to use a password to get past the door. They take you downstairs, and uh, all of that's in the book. So it's like a speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Cool. Exactly. What about art and architecture? If you just love art and architecture. Mm-hmm. You have the major European art capitals, of course. You know, the British Museum in London, the Vatican Museum in Rome, the Louvre in Paris. You really can't go wrong with those. And, of course, the birthplace of the Renaissance, Florence. Now, you mentioned this term graffiti and grunge. Let's say you're just really into graffiti and grunge. Mm-hmm. Well, we like to call it street art. <laughs> and, and don't take it for granted from me. Talk to the artists who are actually into it. Man, Europe has just blown up with real fascinating street art. London, Berlin is most famous for it, though. And you'll see these amazing multi-story tall murals depicting all sorts of political, artistic, beautiful visual pieces. And you can actually take tours uh, to appreciate the street art, Mm -hmm. which is more than just tagging these days. And it's interesting, when you take a street art tour, you're almost by default going to be led by someone who is a member of kind of the alternative scene in that city. So you're going to see some amazing contemporary art, but you're also going to get all the politics and all the flavor of somebody who really subscribes to that ideology. And you're going um, to connect with a young local, and Mm -hmm. as you mentioned in your book, a great tip would be, after you've spent a couple hours hiring that local to take you around, Mm -hmm. invite him to go out for a drink with you. Mm -hmm. One thing that's really big across Europe right now, and it's really shaken up the the tourism scene, are free tip-based walking tours. And so if you enjoy your guide for the a few hours that you're on tour with them, I always encourage people to go up and offer to take that person out for a coffee or a beer and pick their brain um, you know, for another hour or two for just the cost of that drink. And, so, and you'll be able to soak up all sorts of knowledge from them. And that is a big change. When you stand in, in Marienplatz in Munich or when mm-hmm. you stand in front of the bell tower in Prague in the, in the city square, You've got five or six tour companies all offering free tours, but they're not free because they expect a tip, and it's just uh, worth checking it out. And then you've got a potential friend after that. Mm -hmm. You know, Andy, I remember when you took your first trip on your own, and I helped you line up all these sites, and you went over there with your buddy and had a great time, and you came home, and you said, I didn't go to a lot of the sites, that the museums and the galleries that, that you wanted me to see. And I was a little disappointed, but then you said, but I met people and I made friends in, in every country. And that is mm-hmm. the theme of, of your kind of travel and uh, the theme of your book. And in the introduction, you've got this little chapter that's sort of titled, Say Yes to Opportunities. That is sort of fundamental, distinguishing a good traveler. We're just going to do a little game here. I'm just going to mention the name of the city in any order. And uh, I'm sure. just going to let you think of one result of saying yes. What's one little vignette that uh, you think, especially for a millennial, is hitting the jackpot? Let's say you're in Rome. In Rome, I said yes to going down to the Testaccio Farmer's Market and tried some cow tongue. That's a beautiful idea. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cow tongue and testaccio. I said yes. And I was uh, like, yes. You know, I got to go for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, say, say yes in Paris. 
in Paris. It was a little bit out of the way, but going out to the Père Lachaise uh, Cemetery, I ah. said yes to go on that 20-minute bus ride and wander around this beautiful, peaceful respite. We saw, um, is it Jim Morrison? Jim Morrison at the Doors. Yeah, he used to be uh, a very good rock and roll singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of, one of those popular guys. <laughs> <laughs> and Chopin and, and all sorts. Um, yeah, a few other uh, famous okay. names are there. Mm-hmm. Say yes in Dublin. In Dublin. I joined a friend to jump in his car and drive south to his little house that he built to his scale that he was actually going through troubles um, with the city council because he's a short guy. Uh, Some might call him a leprechaun. He built his own house to his scale. So if you can imagine, his door was a half-height window that he just kind of built piece by piece. And, man, that was one of the most enjoyable and memorable afternoons I've had. So you said yes to a friend that you met, and he took you to a leprechaun house (laughs) in Dublin. (laughs) You felt comfortable. (laughs) You felt safe going with him. Say yes in Budapest. (laughs) One thing that I was a little bit skeptical uh, um, when my my friend proposed the idea is to go to one of these escape games. Escape games have just taken over the city, and it's where they lock you into a room with a friend or a few friends, and you have about an hour to work through these puzzles to get out of whatever cage you're in. And they come in fun different themes. It could be like Creepy Circus, or it could be like 1984 Apocalypse. And you're faced with all these challenges to figure your way out. To me, that sounded kind of tacky, maybe a little bit past its prime. But But man, when I went, I just had an amazing time. That's probably mostly locals that are going to those, wouldn't it be? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those, when I look on TripAdvisor and things to do, those kind of activities, they Mm -hmm. always rate pretty high. So there's a whole whole strata of travelers that are getting into that. Finally, one last one. Say yes in Edinburgh. Haggis is too cliché. One time I, I was um, just wandering around at night and I stumbled across uh, Sandy Bells. It's an amazing traditional music or trad Celtic music bar. And uh, before I knew it, I was playing the spoons right, right up with them. It. Not to say I'm any good, but I can bang a couple of spoons together. <laughs> and, uh, and to just get involved in the music and that kind of living culture, that's what I really enjoy doing. The name of that bar again? Sandy Bells. It's, Sandy Bells. It's just half a block away from the university. So if you're in there, definitely check it out. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm talking with Andy Steves, and Andy is writing the guidebook for millennials. It's a brand new book. It's called Andy Steves Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. Lauren's calling from Boise, Idaho. Lauren, thanks for your call. Hello, Mr. Steves, Andy. When one travels, they spend most of their money on airfare and lodging. And as we get older, some of us are going to be on a fixed budget, and we got to let that dollar stretch just a little bit further. And this is one of the philosophies I like about Rick Steves is that's what you guys are all about, you know, seeing more on less. Mm-hmm. And it's really quality. But um, I was wondering what the perspective is when an older person goes to a youth hostel and uh, they're surrounded by younger people. How do the younger people perceive that? And what, what is the alternative to a hostel mm-hmm. if you're trying to see Europe on a budget? That's a great idea, because I've, I've wondered the same thing. you got a bunch of 20-somethings, and here you come in, and you sit there at the bar, and you have a beer. What's the thought, Andy? Sure. Great question, Lauren, and thanks for calling in. First off, before I answer your question, what I would love to point out is that if you are flexible on your travel dates— the time when you fly from Idaho over to Europe, that's your biggest chance to actually save several hundred dollars off the bat. So don't arbitrarily pick your dates if you can help it. Go by when the cheap times to fly are and then build your trip around that. But let's get into uh, hostels. You'll notice that 
anytime I talk and anytime I've referenced them in the book, the youth part of the youth hostel has really fallen away. People call them hostels these days. And what you'll find is that when you go to these hostels, whether it's um, St. Christopher's in Paris or Flying Pig in Amsterdam, it's a very welcoming atmosphere. Definitely bring some headphones. Definitely bring a, uh, an eye cover, a uh, sleep mask. But you'll find that the, the perception on the younger travelers is nothing outward. In fact, you're welcomed into this traveling community. And I think that for me, that's always been one of the great parts about travel is making those interpersonal connections with people from all around the planet to experience this one city together. And a hostel really gives you a great chance to, to do that. So if you're a little bit older than the classic youth hosteling age, I would say don't worry about it. Hostels are welcoming, and the social atmosphere in a hostel is unparalleled. Now, I've found that some hostels are more aggressively youthful and other ones are more laid back mm-hmm. and, and more multi-generational. Yes, and the way you can perceive that, the way you can research that a little bit, is by looking at hostelworld.com and kind of reading between the lines of all the different reviews that you see of the best hostels in any given city. If you look closely, if you look at the pictures, if you look at the reviews, the prices, and all the information out there, you can get a pretty good idea of what atmosphere and what vibe each hostel has. Party hostels will be very clear that they're all about the party, more laid back, chill hostels are going to be able to communicate that as well. So, so there's chill and there's party. Is that yeah, kind of the two? No, there's there's a whole range. Okay. There's a whole range. And there's boutique hostels. There's very bare bones, serious budget mm-hmm. hostels. There's Christian hostels in, in Amsterdam, for example. So whatever it is that you're looking for, be true to yourself about that and, and seek that out when you begin searching for accommodation. And these days, I understand, what is it called, hostelworld.com. That's the dominant way to book a hostel. I mean, as, as far as I understand, they've bought out all the other hostel booking websites out there. So I just go to the source and, and stick with hostelworld.com. So there is the traditional hosteling international organization, IYHF, but mm-hmm. these days you wouldn't want to be limited to that because there's so many one-offs and so many other chains of hostels. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, while you're at it, take a look at airbnb.com to get some ideas for just to calibrate price points and what um, single rooms or private rooms might have to offer in that avenue as well. Lauren, I hope that's helpful. It is very much. And I will stop uh, wondering what other people are thinking and start having fun. (laughs) Just grab a beer and strike up a conversation. (laughs) Tell (laughs) some stories. Tell some (laughs) stories. Good luck, Lauren. It's uh, when you're young. Thank you. You know, my my travelers have always told me uh, it's never too late to have a happy childhood and you can go to a youth hostel. I think you do want to kind of look out for it. Some of them are just raunchy party places, and and I I wouldn't be comfortable with that. But I would say half the hostels I'd be comfortable in. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.